Hello and welcome to Finch Shots Daily. In today's episode, we talk about how a 30-year-old fintech founder fooled J.P. Morgan Chase. Before we start today's episode, here's a quick side note from Team Ditto. If you are someone who has great communication skills and are enthusiastic to join our team, Ditto is looking to recruit new insurance advisors. You don't even have to know much about insurance. We will train you from scratch and you can enjoy working remotely with a great team. So if you are interested or you know someone who is, please check out the links in the description below. Step 1. Scream from the rooftops that the American college system is broken. That college students graduate with $30,000 in student loans. Step 2. Start a fintech business to fix this problem. Target Gen Z college students and help them fill out arduous forms to get scholarships and financial aid. Step 3. Get on the celebrated Forbes 30 under 30 list for fighting for a worthwhile cause. People will notice you now. Step 4. Attract the attention of a bank that would love to get its hands on your user list. After all, your college-going user list is the perfect future customer list for a bank. Catch them when they are young. Step 5. Finally, and this is the most important step of them all. If you don't have the 4.25 million users to ask for a $175 million payout, just fake the customer data. Yes, do whatever it takes to fool the bank into believing that the startup was a phenomenal success and keep your fingers crossed. Or as the tech brothers say, fake it till you make it. And that's what Charlie Jarvis, the founder of fintech startup Frank, did. Or at least, that's what JP Morgan Chase, the bank that paid $175 million to buy the startup, is now alleging. It's saying that it got scammed by Jarvis. Now, you're probably wondering how on earth did a massive bank like JPMC miss the red flags before coughing up all that money? Who did all the due diligence to check if Jarvis's claims were airtight? Well, let's just say that Jarvis outplayed the banking giant and made a mockery of its due diligence process. But before we get into how she did that, we first need to see how JPMC finally realized that it may have been duped. In Jan of 2022, after the acquisition was done and dusted, the bank decided to spam Frank's users with a campaign, probably to get them to buy some financial product that would make the bank some money. So it randomly picked 400,000 users from the list Frank provided during the due diligence process and sent out mails. But the campaign went horribly wrong. You see, only 28% of emails were delivered and JPMC usually has a high 99% delivery rate for its campaigns and even worse, only 1.1% of the delivered emails were opened compared to 30% for a typical JPMC campaign. That's when JPMC smelled something suspicious. It launched an investigation. It managed to get a hold of all of Charlie Jarvis's old emails and voila, the sham emerged in all of its glory. See, Frank did not have the 4 million customers that it claimed. It only had a measly 300,000. But you don't get $175 million for that, right? So what did Jarvis do? Apparently, she first sent a director of engineering an email with a link to an article titled Generating Tabular Synthetic Data Using GANs. The article notes that the goal is to generate synthetic data that is similar to the actual data in terms of statistics and demographics. Basically, she wanted to artificially inflate the user base with fake data. The director wasn't impressed. He asked if it was even legal to do this. Now You can imagine that Jarvis's response would have been in the affirmative. She even said that it was standard practice during investments and that no one would end up in an orange jumpsuit. 
meaning prison time over this but the director was having none of this he refused to play along and sent a list of only the real users just 293000 of them oh yes not even 10% of what frank claimed to have but javis couldn't send this to jpmc right she wanted the 175 million dollars so she took external help her colleague and chief growth officer olivier amar jumped in he reached out to a company called asl marketing inc a firm that claimed to have the most comprehensive accurate and responsive data of high school students college students and young adults available anywhere it could give frank exactly what it needed so amar paid asl 105000 dollars and bought a list of 4.5 million students He then tapped another company called Enformion for the email addresses of students who were part of ASL's list and paid them $70,000 for their troubles. Meanwhile, Jarvis was cooking up something too. She had found a data science professor, a teacher at a college in New York City, and wanted his help to create fake lists. And that's when it becomes really scandalous. So Jarvis asked the professor to generate addresses for the fake students and the data science professor emailed Jarvis asking I can't seem to find addresses in my raw files should I attempt to fabricate them Jarvis responded saying I just wouldn't want the street to not exist in the state basically the addresses could be fake but she didn't want a non-existent xyz street name to pop up it had to be real but the professor replied that the real addresses may not be doable so javis had a brain wave she figured out that if we can't do real addresses what's the best we can do for that worst comes to worst we can try a unique id basically she fooled jp morgan by convincing them that the unique id in the list was to protect the confidentiality of the student users that the unique id was tied to real addresses in the back end and the bank believed her Then came the email IDs and this is even juicier. Here's an excerpt from JPMC's complaint. In an email at 12:56 p.m., the data science professor referring to the template Jarvis sent an hour earlier asked Jarvis, "You have the student email marked as provided as unique ID, but didn't we agree to make fake ones or do you want unique IDs after all?" In a response sent 6 minutes later at 1:02 p.m., Jarvis asked, Will the fake emails look real with an eye check or better to use unique IDs? At 1:37 p.m., the data science professor confirmed, they will look fake, so let's use unique IDs. So yes, the unique IDs emerged again, all under the veil of privacy. It seemed all so genuine. So when JPMC did the due diligence, it passed with flying colors. And finally, there's the scam invoicing bit after the deed was done. When the professor sent Jarvis a bill of $13,300 for the work done, he was quite elaborate. He described that he had performed college major generation that included creating first name, last names, emails and phone numbers. Quite an honest man. But Jarvis freaked out. A sharp auditor would definitely ask questions about this. So she asked him to remove it all and simply send a one-line invoice saying for data analysis. She even sent him a bonus of $4,700 probably to keep his mouth shut and the professor's response was wow thank you here's a new invoice yes the fraud didn't really matter anymore but Jarvis sweetened the deal further she even offered the professor a full-time position at JPMC after the buyout now hiring the man into the same bank he helped defraud is quite the killer move 
It all sounds so crazy to be true. But that, folks, is how a Forbes 30 under 30 winner fooled one of America's largest banks. To sum it up, Frank paid a total of $193,000 to ASL and Formion and the professor for a list of fake email addresses and then sold that list to JP Morgan for a whopping $175 million. Definitely a contender for the scam of the year, don't you think? Thank you for listening to today's episode. FinShots Daily is available on a bunch of streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. So make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Until next time.